Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I am Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So for this week's topic, I thought I might, uh, I thought we might respond a little bit and, and possibly disagree a little bit with, um, with a topic that our friends over at Release Notes covered about a week ago uh, in Release Notes episode number 140 called Like Watching Paint Dry. And Release Notes is a very good podcast that I highly recommend for developers uh, who listen to this. You should also listen to that. Uh, they cover a lot more, a lot of like the business stuff. They, their motto is like everything but the code. Um, and so definitely love that show. I've listened to it for a while. Uh, they have a conference. Love that show. Love those guys. Uh, and so this episode they they did was about um, basically as they they both have small software companies uh charles perry uh has um has a company that recently launched uh, an app called metatax which is for tax pre- tax preparing professionals like not for you to do your taxes but like for your accountant to to reference while they do taxes for lots of people um and then uh, joe's company bombing brain uh makes tools for pro audio and video uh producers and they so they both have these these companies that kind of appeal to like you know pro users of some kind. These are not mass consumer apps. And this episode they did uh, number one forty was was kind of about how they they both are, are like taking their their corporate voice more seriously now and like kind of dropping some of the some of the um, the pretense of like being indie and making themselves appear like a serious company. So like for example, using we instead of I. Uh, and you know, kind of separating like their personal blogs, even if it's about business stuff, kind of separating their personal names and blogs from the company, and not having like a company blog anymore of like them complaining about the app store stuff like that. Like separating those out so that their companies appear to be more professional, you know, kind of more like other big companies do, where you tend to have like this kind of corporate, almost non-voice. Like it's not, it's kind of. A, a void of personality like there's not you're, you're not like the the personality of an individual you're like projecting the image of, of like a serious company and i think it's worth discussing kind of the pros and cons of that decision uh, of that kind of approach of like whether whether you should be uh you know if you're an indie developer like us like whether you should just kind of own that and and show personality in your apps and just use the pronoun i instead of we and things like that or whether you should appeal uh appeal to people's more conservative sides and and appear to be this this bigger company what have you found in this in this regard david so when i first started um doing development price like seven ish years ago like as an independent i remember going through this and trying to decide how i wanted to do it and i think in the early days of my business i would always use like you always talk about it's like we do this we do that try and appear big like refer to the company like almost like as its own like as a third person and this these types of things um and i think i was doing that almost like to avoid like the imposter syndrome kind of stuff where it's like i wanted to it to feel like I was a real company, not just a guy. Um, but I think recently I've very strongly gone in the other direction with that. And more and more I do everything and make it quite clear that it's like, I'm a person, I'm an individual who makes an app. Like most of my apps, websites are now like hosted off my own personal site. You know, david-smith.org is like where people would go to find my apps. Like that's what's linked to in the show in the app store description for my app. Um, in some of my apps, even like I'll have little notes that say like, you know, this app was made by David Smith, a independent developer in Herndon, like, thank you for supporting it or those types of comments. Like I'm trying to make it very clear. 
um, that's where I went. And for me, I switched around mostly because I made peace with the fact that my goal is not to be a big company. My goal is not to ever grow. Because like, there's something to be said maybe for like faking it until you make it. Like, If your goal is to be a big company, to have lots of employees, to have a big presence and so on, to like say, okay, I'm going to pretend like I'm one of those because that's what my goal is to, to become. But once I just really made peace with the fact that that was not my goal, I wasn't like faking it until I make it. Like I'd already made it. I'm the one person shop that I kind of like being. I was like, then it's just kind of like a silly pretense to do. And in many ways, it, relo- it I was losing some of the opportunities that I could probably otherwise get by appealing to people more personally. Like it's it's a funny thing. Like you'll get a customer service response to somebody and they're kind of really mean and belligerent and kind of grumpy at you. Um, and you, when you respond personally, like in a more kind of like, it's like, hi, this is like, I don't know what you're expecting. Like I'm a person. Very often I'll get the, like, they just sort of calm down and like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I'm used to yelling at customer service representatives of big faceless c- corporations. Um, but it feels a little bit more awkward when they're just like yelling at, you know, yelling at a person. And so I've sort I found, I get a lot of benefit from just saying like, hi, I'm one person. And, you know, people like that, it seems. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think, like, if you if you act like a big company, people will treat you like a big company. Exactly. And and that there are there are pros and cons to that. Like, you know, like Charles Perry's MetaTax software for, for tax preparers. Like, if you're if you're appealing to a, a, a more like a more narrow professional market like that and charging, I think he charged like 100 bucks for it, something like that. Um you know that's this is like you know pro software at, at at a decent price you know this is not consumer level stuff um in that kind of context i think showing uh, the personality of of like being one person you know and and we'll get into like kind of like personality and attitude also in a bit which i think is also part of this but being like the the hi i'm an independent person kind of thing in that kind of context could be a downside you kind of like it may, those buyers might want the appearance of a big serious company like or that just might be the norm in that field but when you're doing something like what you and i do which is consumer apps where you know you like you you know we, we have apps that are not going to be bought for a hundred dollars by professionals getting their job done we have apps that people buy because like kind of for fun or for entertainment or or for for you know more more mass market casual use and i i feel like in that area there is not much of an upside to appearing to be a big company whereas you know so there are areas where that is an upside you know like like charles uh like metatax there but but i don't think that the kind of apps that we do are those areas. So again, it's, this is one of those things where the answer is it depends, <laughs> and and different things will work for different people. Um, but I, I think it's important to recognize where your target market really is, what kind of apps you're really making, and what people think of you, um, and what people want to think of you, to before you decide kind of which of these approaches to take. Because like like you know what I do in Overcast is also is completely the I'm one person approach. Um, in in like the support page and everything, it, in order to try to diffuse people's anger into what they perceive as like uh, some kind of chat bot for a big company that will never get read because they're angry at most big companies because most big companies don't help them. Um, right in my feedback form in the app, I say, "Hi, I'm one person," <laughs> and, like, and be, like before they can even get the email address, there's this there's this like two sentence thing up top that ba- basically says that 
I, I'm just one person. And also, I don't have time to respond to most emails. And so that immediately diffuses a lot of anger they might have towards, like, I can't get this to work. Your company sucks. Uh, and and I really don't get a lot of those emails. Like I, even with Instapaper, I got way more because I was I was less heavy handed with Instapaper about about the kind of like I'm one person approach. With Overcast, I, I went very heavy handed on that, and the emails I get are generally extremely civil, extremely nice. Uh, I hardly ever get you know anger at all. And also because I say right there in the feedback form, I don't have time to respond to most emails. I'm sorry. Uh, that sets expectations for support also. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, if, if they think you're a big company, they're going to expect maybe not helpful support, <laughs> but they will expect fast support responses. And because, you know, because that, that's what most big companies, you can, you can contact them and you can get support of some kind. And it might not be very helpful, but you will get a person who responds to you soon. And if they don't get that and they think you're a big company, they get mad. If you're a small, if, if you're one person and you say, I'm one person, and also, sorry, I can't really respond to you most of the time, and then you don't respond to them, I feel like that's, that actually leaves them feeling less angry <laughs> than, than if they, if they go, if they think you're a big company and they email you and they don't get a response. Have you, have you, I mean, I know you actually do support because you're a good person, but I mean, does, does, <laughs> I, I think there is something to that for sure. Like it, there's to being a good person. Well, there, there, there's something to be said for setting expectations appropriately for for what you're trying to like like project. And I mean, I've, I remember I've heard people. The funny thing I often sometimes get is when people ask me like, "What's my support uh, phone number?" And I'm like, <laughs> "My phone." It's like you know, which is like a reasonable in some ways a reasonable like, a reasonable question. Like if you were a big company like if, if i was a big software company like i would imagine i can call someone at microsoft to get support like i'm sure there's uh, an 800 number maybe i mean i would, wouldn't surprise me but you know <laughs> like i don't think like but you know what who are you going to call like they're going to like call my own phone number like like where is how is that going to work it's like it's trying to set expectations because maybe like at, at its core so much of this is just about like honesty maybe it's like like this is who i am this is what we're what, like what i'm the level of support i provide this is the types of apps i do and i'm just like being transparent about that and so like with support when i say like it's like you can email sometimes like i mean i have i hire someone who does a lot of the like the front level of support for me so that my response like the response time is pretty good in that regard but every now and then like i'll get people who email me directly just like they find my contact information or they'll um you know send at reply me on twitter or something like that and I'm less responsive there, but I don't, I haven't gotten a lot of negativity around that because I think they know what they're doing. Like they're, they know that they're contacting me as the person, not uh, me as the company or not like, you know, they're not contacting pedometer plus plus they're contacting David Smith and the expectations I think you have for when you like sort of out of the cold email, somebody is pro- are very different than if you're just for when you're, you know, feel like you're responding to a company, especially a company that you've paid a lot of money to. Um, and so just trying to be honest and transparent about that, I think, is a really helpful thing. Absolutely. So our sponsor this week is CocoConf. CocoConf is a technical conference series for people who craft software for Apple's platforms, which should be most listeners to this show, I would guess. 
Now, this year, CocaConf will be in Chicago in March, Austin in April, Seattle in May, Washington, D.C. in September, and San Jose in November, with speakers including Brent Simmons, Jamie Newberry, Daniel Steinberg, Laura Savino, Chris Parrish, Danny Gregg, and Marcus Zara. And what's more, CocaConf will also be returning to Yosemite this coming March 14th through 17th. This will once again be held at the Yosemite Lodge at the Falls in Yosemite National Park in California. Speakers for this special event include Andy Anako, Jim Dalrymple, Gene McDonald, Jonathan Mann, Jesse Char, Michael Lopp, and Nevin and Krista Mergan. There will be guided hikes and a photo walk led by TED photographer James Duncan Davidson, music by James Dempsey and the Breakpoints, and Jonathan Songaday Mann. For more information about these, about these awesome events and to register for yourself, visit CocoConf.com. And if you use code UNDERTHERADAR, all one word, UNDERTHERADAR, you'll save 20%. That's a big chunk. 20% on tickets for all CocoConf 2016 events, including that special Yosemite event. Check it out today, CocoConf.com. Thank you so much to CocoConf for sponsoring the show. So moving on a little bit from like whether you want to appear as a company versus an individual, um, I, I, I wanted to mention kind of personality uh, of an app and whether your app should kind of like even just in, in things like the copy that you have in the app, the, the wording for things, the micro copy, the help text, uh, the even even like the major features of the app or the the branding of it, the name, the icon, everything like in all aspects of the app. Whether whether you want it to have a a personality, a strong personality, or a kind of more neutral uh, theme and and voice, and I think there's a lot to be said for both sides of this. Um, the 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 more neutral voice, which would be kind of like the default, um, kind of the the corporate voice slash no voice, um, depending on how you look at it. That I I think is is the safe choice. It's the easiest choice. It's easy to have. A neutral personality because if you look at like apple's apps apple's apps all have a neutral personality if you look at other platforms windows google like you all these things they have neutral personalities at the system level and the reason they have neutral personalities is because they don't want to alienate people because as soon as you add any personality to it to to the app or or to the system or anything like that you do run the risk that that's not going to uh, work well for some people. It's that some people are, are maybe not going to get it or they're going to be confused. Like, wait, why is this app kind of appearing like <laughs> smart at me? <laughs> like, like they're, 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 gonna, they're, they're not going to like it. It's going to rub them the wrong way. Uh, it's very hard to create a personality that spans across all cultures, all ages, all languages in a way that that nobody is really offended. And at big companies like Microsoft and Apple and Google, they have to consider that because they serve the entire world. And and if they if they have something that is slightly rubbing somebody the wrong way, that could mean like millions of people don't buy it or think worse of it or something. And and so it makes a lot of sense if you're a really big company like that to to basically not have personality in your apps or or to have very very little of it. And I think if a lot of people look at those big companies and they say, well, I want my app to appear to be as good as theirs. And so therefore, the right approach for me is also to have this kind of neutral personality and to not put much you know, voice or flair in, in the app. And I think, again, this is one of those things where it depends on the business. I, I, you know, if you look at, again, picking Charles's MetaTax is a great example – I bet the world of tax preparation does not really want their tax reference app to, to be making jokes at them. 
like that would just rub them the wrong way it would make it look amateurish it, it would it would make them feel like wait a minute what did i just spend a hundred dollars on this is supposed to be a serious reference tool and i need to know it's serious because i'm doing serious work with it um at the same time though if you look at other apps, especially, you know, as I said, like consumer apps, like, like what we make, um, I think a really great example of this is Carrot Weather. I was going to say the same thing. Yep. It is the extreme archetype for the strong personality in an application. Like, it makes a point of insulting you on a regular basis, um, or at least making odd comments. And, like, it's as though the app was made by this kind of crazy robot or... I don't even know, or AI, I'm not sure what it's exactly it's supposed to be, <laughs> yeah, it's but it's unclear. like there's this crazy weather thing that, you know, has a strong personality and you love it or you hate it. Like it's, it's very unlikely to be kind of like, eh, I feel neutral about this, um, you know, weather overlord that's, you know, making jokes about me. Yeah. But like, so, so carrot weather is, you know, it's, it's a weather app. Like there are a billion weather apps and they are differentiated by in part, this incredibly strong polarizing personality they've added to that app and it kind of makes sense it it works for them because a you know most people don't need their weather app to be 100 percent serious all the time and there are enough people looking for weather apps that you you can have a polarizing personality like that in your weather app and even if you alienate 90 percent of of people out there you can still make a really good business out of the remaining 10%. And you can look at that and you can say, well, that's bad business. You know, why Why don't you make an app that appeals to more people and then you can do better? And and of course, it isn't actually that simple in reality. You know, in reality, we have all these complicated factors and, and contributing factors. In the case of something like this, like uh, in iOS consumer apps, having some personality like that, while it will lose you some people for sure. Uh, and in Carrot Weather's case, I don't use Carrot Weather because I don't like that person. <laughs> personally i find it a little bit much so i don't use it but i know a lot of people who do use it and who enjoy it a lot and the reason i know about it is because a i saw it once and it made an impression and i remembered it which is something you can't say about things that have a neutral voice they usually don't do that so i remembered it it made an impression and b it got a lot of press because it was noteworthy it was different it, it there are so many weather apps out there and it's very hard for any of them to stand out in any way to get press or to get remembered by people who aren't using them every day. And this one did. It got press. It gets remembered. It has, it, like, you know about, we, you and I have never talked about this app before. I had no idea that you had used it, but now I know. Because, like, you know, we, we this app has made a splash for itself and has its own brand and personality that are established now that people know, that people remember. And, and it stands out from the pack because it has personality. So, Adding personality to an app, and the stronger you do it, the more extreme this is, adding personality to an app is a risk, but it's a risk that might be worth it for the payoff. And it's, you know, it's really up to you and, and up to the market of the app whether that's a risk worth taking and how far you want to take it. You know, in their case, you know, as I said, like for me, they took it too far, but they're obviously doing well with everybody else. So, and you know, and I I have a different app I use anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> so like, and you know, and and in Overcast, I have personality in there too. I don't do it as I don't do it to the extent that they do. I I kind of my personality is more like a little bit of accent here and there, like some of the micro copy around certain things and everything. But it's not like it's not that heavy handed, um, because for me, I thought that was the right balance because I I want Overcast to be 
semi-mass market. But I also know that I need, it needs to stand out because there's already a mass market podcasts app on the phone called Podcast that's always there and heavily promoted and heavily integrated by everything. So, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to win the battle with no personality. But I also, I didn't want to give so much personality that it turned off a big section of the audience. So it, it's always, it's a balance you have to strike. And I think it's, it's, it's part of your overall design and branding of the entire app. You know, you should be considering this with any design decision. Because, you know, a lot of, you know, even, you know, Overcast being this, this app with this kind of like bright orange and white color theme, like that's also part of the personality of the app. It's like, I'm not going to just pick, you know, blue like everybody else. Everybody picks blue. No offense. Every, <laughs> everybody picks blue. And the reason everybody picks blue is goes back to what I said earlier uh, about Microsoft and Apple, that uh, it's, it's very hard to pick colors that don't offend or have negative connotations to some culture somewhere. And one of the reasons why all your icons on your computer are blue is because blue is, is like the, probably the, one of the most neutral but appealing colors that exist that can be the same around the whole world and not really offend anybody. Where if you pick like red, then, you know, red might mean unlucky in country X, Y, or Z or, you know, something like that. So like there's, there are always these, these cultural baggages on all the, on all design and color and personality choices that you have to kind of walk around if you're a giant company. Um, but as a smaller company, as, we, as we've been talking about, as a smaller company, we have the freedom to, to not do that. We have the freedom to, to, to be a little bit polarizing for the benefit of having people notice us and remember us and maybe get some press and maybe get some, some people who, who it resonates with. Yeah, because I think at its core, I mean, there's the marketing aspect of like, you need to have something, If it, well, ideally your app is probably going to have some sense of like word of mouth advertising to it. There's going to be some aspect to it that like, you, you someone likes the app and they're going to show someone else. And there is this, you have to have something distinctive about your application for that really to catch on and to work. And like that distinctiveness could be something more like fundamental, like it's just really good. Um, it's, you know, it's just really solidly constructed, but like, that's a harder thing to get to, to such a degree that someone's going to be like, wow, let me show you this app that, you know, like always, it always renders at 60 frames a second and syncs really quickly. Like that's unlikely to be something that is a hook that is like something that really grabs someone's, you know, imagination and makes them want to tell people about it. And so when you do something like this, when you're talking, when you're thinking about your application and you give it, give it a stronger personality or you have lots of little touches that maybe are a bit more, uh, are, are less safe, you're giving yourself the opportunity to have more of those hooks, to have more of those things that the press will latch onto, um, that people, your customers will latch onto and be like, show other people. You know, like I'm thinking about like in Overcast, at the bottom of your settings screen where it tells you how much time you've saved with um, smart speed. It's like it's a little touch that in, is a great opportunity for someone to share the application with someone else. And if you add these little things into it you're trying to give it a little bit more you know like personality or um like non-neutral non-neutrality maybe even is a, is a better way to say it like you give yourself the opportunity and being a small company like i like that 
I'm, I feel fine doing those because I don't, it's not like I have to go before some kind of committee to be like, is this an accept, like, is this silliness okay? Like, there's not like the ministry of silliness that I have to go to and say, I'd like to add this little silly, <laughs> this little silly touch to the application. Is that okay? I would like, love to see like a, a conference room at Apple and on the front of the door in like sterile, bland San Francisco text, a stenciled ministry of silliness. Yeah. But, <laughs> It's true, though. Like, I imagine in some ways there is that, that those voices in bigger companies that look at something and be like, no, that's, that's not like that. Maybe that people could take that the wrong way. Or maybe um, that's not, you know, like, oh, that doesn't fit with our corporate brand or our feel. I mean, or even like I think about like in Pedometer Plus Plus, I added a little thing. Like it, when you hit your goal, confetti falls from the top of the screen, which is a little bit of t- a little bit of personality, a little bit of like of silliness that is probably the um, it's probably only a slight exaggeration to say like that feature is one of the biggest reasons the app has been successful because people love it like they like that feeling of getting their goal and getting confetti and it's it doesn't have to be there the app doesn't need something like that but putting it there by making it a little bit more fun a little bit more a little bit more silly i people it it endears itself to people and like i like that i can take advantage of that and you know, have you give people that fun of like, hey, check this out. I just got my goal. And, you know, confetti's falling from the sky. Yeah, it seems like like maybe like the the more commoditized a market is and, and like the harder it is to stand out otherwise. Like, I mean, you would know better than anybody else. How many other pedometer apps are there on the store? It's probably not a small number. No, it, at least it isn't anymore. But yeah, I mean, when you launched, it was a small number because you launched like the second you possibly could. But yeah, it's not a small number now. And so stuff like that will help you stand out now because you know it's 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 a large market of mostly undifferentiated apps. Anything you can do to differentiate yourself and to give people that little bit of that little niceness, a little delight, a little moment of delight that that is that helps you stand out. And you know, in in like business wise, you can you know this can integrate into your business model as well. Like you know, if you look at an app, let's let's say like one of those like hipster camera apps, if they limit the amount of shots you can take and it's like like what well, didn't hips manage this at one they point did, where it's like yeah. you, you can like you have to like pay per shot like an old polaroid like, like an old film camera like yeah. it's like oh you could you could buy a, a roll of film for a dollar or whatever that's part of their business model and people hated it but they talked about it and it worked you know in in a in a more i guess uh positive way you know in in overcast the the whole patronage model patronage works because from day one i've been giving the app the voice and personality of one person, like not a big company, one person. So when I say, hey, please give me money if you feel like it, that means a lot more than if it was a, a bland-voiced company saying that. Uh, I, I think it would be less successful, you know. But at the same time, it's a risk because, like, you know, some people just think I'm a jerk and, and won't give me any money. But, you know, it's I, I think overall, um, I think I found a decent balance there. And and I think uh, I, I think many apps could benefit from finding that kind of balance because, as you said earlier, this is something that the big companies w- they they won't do because their ministry of silliness will reject it all. Like, do something if you want to stand out from the big companies, do something they will never do because then they they can't Sherlock you. They like they can't put you out of business through that way. Like they that it, it's a way you will be able to stand out, and one way you can always stand out as an indie is with personality because the big companies will never do it and it's i think in many ways like it's the great thing of it's the hardest thing for someone else to copy 
Um, oh yeah. Like, like if, if I'm, if I imbue my applications with my own personality, like, you know, like my sense of humor, the way I, the way I see the world, someone else may be able to come along and copy my features. They may be able to copy my UI, but those little touches are going to be very hard for them to copy, for them to copy. And so if my features start showing up in other applications, um, like, okay, that the feature's there, but it's not going to feel the same as when someone's using that feature inside of my application, because the reason it was there and the way that like it sort of it loses the context around it that made it distinctive. And like in the crowded kind of insane marketplace that is the app store, like making doing anything that is hard to be copied can only probably be a good thing. Yeah, and other industries learned this lesson long ago. Like it, this, this is how the fashion industry works big time. Like it's so much based on reputation and and like long term branding and personality and everything of like what does this brand mean? You know, what do they stand for? And someone else can make the same shirt that's cost less, but people will buy your shirt because they like you know the horse in your ads or whatever. So it's like we have a lot to learn from other industries about this as well. But uh, you know, software doesn't it, it doesn't all have to be uh, safely blandly voiced uh, it can be and there's many instances where that is the right choice but not all exactly and i think ultimately you just have to make sure the, it's the most important thing like the biggest takeaway hopefully from today's show is this is something that's important to be a conscious choice that it's something that you if, if you whenever you sit down to make software you have to decide like where are you on the spectrum what are your goals what are you trying to ultimately do with this piece of software and then you'll have to align that with the way you build it, how much personality you put into your application, how big you appear, how fancy you appear, how much silliness you allow. And as long as it's a conscious choice, you're probably you know, in, in, a, in a good place because you're able to have it be consistent and then impactful for your customers. Exactly. All right, well, we're out of time for this week. I think that was a good discussion. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thanks to CocoCon for sponsoring. Uh, thanks to Release Notes for being good. Go listen to that show. You should be subscribing to it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.